We've done this before. Let's try something new. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today's date is October 5th, 2020. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with uh, Steve. Yeah, Steve. And only Steve. Yep. Where's Connor at this week? Um, He said he actually had to travel to Wisconsin. Okay. He was making a sandwich, ran out of cheese. Are you shitting me? Wisconsin cheddar. He Jesus only Christ. eats Wisconsin cheddar, and usually he has a connect, but due with COVID, it's really tough to get imported <laughs> cheddar these days from the state of Wisconsin. So Connor made a road trip to Wisconsin. I'm, I'm more of a Cabot cheese guy, Vermont cheddar. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I've, I was actually at their factory once. Great cheese, huh? Dude, fucking awesome cheese. Yeah. But um, I'm a ShopRite pre-packed American. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lazy. Well, that. when I'm feeling, you know, like all uppity and shit, yeah, yeah, you need I, to I'll bust out the cabbage. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a Deets and Watson guy. Yeah. For those of you in the area or outside of our area, I don't know if Deets and Watson's global or if it's just a Philadelphia either. thing. Yeah. Remember like a tri-state area or something, probably. I don't know who supplies your deli meats and cheeses, but around here we have Deets and Watts, and they are the reigning kings. It'd be like Connor travel from Wisconsin to Philadelphia to get some Deets and Watts. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess we're going to kind of skip the whole new and interesting thing, because me and you have the same thing. Basically, yeah. A couple weeks ago, because obviously we record these episodes in advance, and last week, Lamb of God did their live stream. Yes. Which was... Ashes of the Wake in its entirety. And it fucking was totally badass. It was cool. I was a huge component because when Metallica was doing their whole things, I was like kind of iffy about it. And Lamb of God kind of gave the pushing point because that album. Yep. I remember them posting like, oh, we're going to do three songs on a live feed on YouTube, whatever. And they were like, put out a thing like, what songs do you want to hear? Like, they didn't make up their fucking mind already. We knew yeah. that they already were playing it regardless <laughs> of what. It, vote, song could have 50,000 votes. They're not changing their three songs. Exactly. Over. But I recommended Blood of the Scribe because I recently just kind of like rediscovered, I guess you could say, Ashes of the Wake and been listening to it a lot. And I'm like, yeah, this album is just, there's so many songs. And they already play three or four of them yeah. every show. Now you got something to die for, Laid to Rest, Hourglass, yeah. and Omerta. I mean, they always play. Well, they it. have to play fucking Laid to Rest. That's kind of like their... is like the best opening track Dude. you could have had for them. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool because hearing that whole album, hearing the song in the middle of the album, the way it mm-hmm. is, Blood of the Scribe, they played the... the um, instrumental ashes of the wake yeah. it's funny even randy came out i was like man you guys play that song every show you know because you got to just chill <laughs> but yeah that was like the pushing point and being able to do that was pretty fucking awesome i mean Dude, just I me and great. you chilling watching that was yep. great and i have you pictured like you get to a point you get five or ten friends you have a safe environment yeah. outside you know obviously respecting the covid rules that we've <laughs> not been forced to deal with but should suggestively deal with exactly um but yeah that was awesome so what do you guys think? Should this be a monthly or bi-monthly concert extravaganza that we should put on here? 
Because disclaimer, we watched it on a projector screen in my backyard. Yeah, it was awesome. And it, 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 I mean, it's like we said before, nothing will ever replace the feeling of a live show. But like, I was very adamant in from the very beginning when this live stream happened that I didn't want to sit on my couch and watch yeah. it. It was yeah. just like I don't know. We're all forced to do this. We're all forced to not see that show live. So or in person. So to be able to watch it in not the comforts of your living room, it just made it that much better. And I also, excuse me, I also hold that moral compass as well because people will be like, oh, why would you pay for this? I'm sure it'll be recorded somewhere and people will be, but it's like, I still have that like moral backbone and not to say that if you don't do this, you're a piece of shit, but I'm basically saying if you don't do this, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) Um, I like to support a band. I mean, yeah. from a band's perspective, I don't care how much money they have. I mean, they all started from nothing. Yep. You know, they live and die on the road. I mean, everything's coming from merch sales as well as ticket sales. And, you know, to pay $15 to watch a live stream and, you know, the actual, you know, real time. Yeah. I mean, I, th- th- I'm doing it more for me than anything, but at the same time, knowing I'm supporting an act. Exactly. Same way I buy albums today. Same way, like, I'll pay for things if I actually want it. Um, not to say that I don't, you know, just pay for my Apple prescri- you know, subscription and, download music that way but yeah. you know i mean once in a while if i really appreciate a band i don't feel totally out of the ordinary to say i'm going to pay 15 dollars to watch it exactly show, i mean it is kind of a kick in the balls though they're releasing it as an album now. yeah i mean that's <laughs> but here's the thing that i would probably buy it i mean because it yeah, was that I, good i got to see it live and it's it, re-recorded ashes of the wake Exactly. And they kicked fucking ass. I'm going to mm-hmm. go on and we go out there and say, dude, our crew's fucking his chops held up, dude. Yeah. I mean, you know, with his previous band he was in, Winds of Plague, like I knew he was a good drummer and obviously his past touring repertoire with Lamb of God, like it's proven that he's a good drummer. He yeah. can do it. But for him to go in and play these old songs. Yeah. Because this was like, to me, <laughs> the breaking point of that album to really push it over the top to be their best album in my opinion was the drumming exactly the riff writing was excellent wise lyrical content great and all that stuff but even campbell like i mean the bass riffs are great but that drumming to me was always the thing if i'm gonna tell someone like yo you gotta listen to ash's wake exactly you know what i mean exactly but yeah our crews did a great job so any bands out there listening well um yeah any bands listening give us live streams send us your live stream We'll gladly watch it. We'll tweet about it, Instagram live it, whatever, whatever you want. Give you a feature. Give you a feature. We we enjoy watching concerts. We enjoy going to shows. The fact that we can't do it now just is more of an opportunity for us to watch more and more bands. Yep. Like our boys in Alica. Yep. We watched their live stream on the same night. Yep. And, uh, and that was dope, too, man. Yeah. That was really impressive. Dude, man. honestly, it was just as professional as oh, Lamb yeah. of God. Total pro shot. Very, Dude, very it, good it was quality. fucking awesome. So shout yeah. out to those guys. Hell yeah. But what do you think? Would you like to see us monthly, bi-monthly, do a concert uh, extravaganza and live stream it on Instagram or Facebook? Can Get we, at us on social media. That? I mean, if... It might be a copyright issue. We'll stand by on this question. Well, what would it be if... There was a camera watching us while we were watching a live uh, that's stream. That's a lot. Of, uh, my my buddy's taking the bar on October 6th. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait until after this. Yeah, exactly. We'll consult with him. <laughs> we got a lawyer in the pocket. Hopefully he passes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess uh, other than that, you got anything else new or interesting? Well, I did want to say one thing. Uh, Necrophobic, death metal band. Uh, 
90s act, great, great band. They released a few new songs from their new album coming out. The album actually gets released on October 9th. They have three songs that drop. Um, Mirror Black was the first one. The album itself is called uh, Dawn of the Damned. They got three songs out, Mirror Black, Infernal Depths of Eternity, and course for every metal band devil's spawn attack (laughs) but no it's a great album i was i'm a huge fan of necrophobic they're kind of those quintessential like black and death metal acts of the 90s yeah you know if you've listened to like belfagor dim you or uh dissection i mean these guys are more towards a death metal perspective than like behemoth was so to speak but no it's so far so good and october 9th that shit drops stoked nice hell yeah um in other news i've Made it all the way to season six of House. Oh, yeah? You never really watched House? I watched it when it first came like on. sporadically? But dude, I, or did you watch it consistently? Like, the first four seasons, I would say I, de- I watched, like, every episode religiously, like, live on air. But, like, once... Yeah, it was pretty much, like, after season four, where it was just kind of like, okay, I would catch here and there. Yeah. But to actually sit down and watch it from season one until now... Mm-hmm. I mean, I still got two more seasons left, but it's just... uh can't give that show enough props, dude. You people also don't, people uh, don't talk about that show in more, uh, you know, enough. You forgot about the breaking news. You just started playing the game Among Us. Yeah, <laughs> that's for another episode. But yeah, still, that, <laughs> that game's fucking dope. One could say it could be a guilty pleasure. We'll touch back on that, maybe. <laughs> but on that note, let's uh, check out uh, what we have in music history today. On this day in music history. October 5th, 1959. At 23 years old, Bobby Darren becomes the youngest ever headliner at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas. Wow. Who the fuck's Bobby Darren? Couldn't tell you. Why do I feel like I should know that? It sounds super familiar. And I feel real sad that I don't understand because this guy's the youngest headliner. Well, I mean, Sands Hotel, I mean, it's kind of oddly specific. I could say, like, in any Las Vegas venue. I mean, that's kind of one of those, like, obscure stats on ESPN, like, you know... First guy to be 27 years old in three months to catch three touchdowns for exactly... I guess it's just a weird stat. Damn. What? Splish Splash. Oh. Dream Lover. Wow. Mac the Knife and God. Beyond the Sea. Okay. Yeah, he was somebody. Yeah, he totally We're, we're was. stupid. Yep. <laughs> we'll take that one on the chin. It, it, it kind of sucks that Connor's not here because he would be the guy to be like... You Come don't on, fuck dude. Bobby Darren. That's why Come we on, have fucking it. Splish Splash. That's what I'm saying. We have... The uniqueness to know that two of us will eventually be a weak link at some point, but we always have a third guy, and right now we're fucking driving with three wheels. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically how it is. <laughs> In 1973, Elton John releases Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, his most successful studio album. Now that I know. Yeah, I do know I that. Mean, yeah, I mean. Dude, I love album. Elton John, man. Elton John, it's funny, because that album itself... um, it's actually like that's probably his, in my opinion, best and most complete album. Um, because Elton John, overall, there's just so many good songs sporadically through his discography that he's not a greatest hits act because of the fact that some of his albums are like just not totally full. Yeah. But he is because there's so many good songs and so many different albums that exactly. like you listen to them together. Like, that's how I want to hear Elton John. Dude, he's just one of those like undeniable fucking dudes. Hit machine. Like, he's just. He's Elton John. Hit machine, yeah. One of those. 1991, Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusions 2 debuts at number one, followed by Use Your Illusion 1 on Billboard's album chart. What do you? How do you feel about the Use Your Illusions Not albums? a fan. 
Really? Really not you, a fan. You don't like them at all? I No, I, I enjoy them, but if I put you them up put to them like GNR appetite. Lies or Appetite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll take it over Chinese Democracy. Well, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably even take it over Spaghetti Incident, too, because that was a real blunder of covers, to be yeah. honest. You know what's funny? I heard, what was it? Maybe it was like behind the music or something. Somebody was talking about the uh, Spaghetti Incident, their cover of Rolling Stones. Yes. And they're like, this is... The f- this is what a this is what a band that's ready to break up sounds like. <laughs> oh God, that's brutal. <laughs> I forget who said it. It, it was somebody in music. It might have been like the editor for Rolling Stone or something because he's uh, always on those shows. But he's like, when I heard this, this is the this is what a band that's ready to break up sounds yeah, they like. Really, I was like. Damn, they really butchered a lot of songs on there, dude. It sucks because they were they were, and I don't know if I mean I can't really say they still are an incredible band. Right, like well, they, Appetite, they were one of a kind, dude. Appetite's undeniable. GNR lies. The mm-hmm. front half with fucking uh, live like a suicide is pretty much yep. it, and you know the acoustic songs. It's just a, they're both really good albums. Yeah, and you know I. You can't take it from them, dude. At yeah. the point in time where they came out, they were completely new. Yeah. Like, nothing like that existed anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I would go out on a limb here and say that they were kind of like the 80s version of the Rolling Stones. Basically. I mean, they, they were kind of the Stones, but heavier. Basically, yeah. And, you know, everyone knows how we feel about Slash and various other members of Guns N' Roses, but... You can't take it from them. Those albums are fucking incredible. Yeah, I mean, you get so many bands out there that'll put out like one or two decent albums and kind of fall off the face of the earth. And I mean, Guns N' Roses is just a staple in rock and roll at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolute staple. 1997. Garth Brooks fans snap up more than 139,000 tickets in less than four hours, selling out eight shows at Chicago's Rosemount Horizon. Dude, this was like in the middle of fucking country of Palooza. I know. Like, I mean, we we both grew up in, you know, middle class blue collar families. I'm pretty sure at some point or another your your parents had Garth Brooks on. Of course. Like Yeah, like, that was you couldn't get away from it. Dude, like Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, Shania Twain, Alan Jackson, you my, could not get away from them. My Aunt Shannon always used to say, like Tim McGraw specifically, she would leave her husband for him at any point in time. I would, I would leave my wife for Tim McGraw. Yeah, dude. Hey, he's a good looking dude. Yeah, I mean, we've all seen the Blind Side. The Blind Side, the movie. Yeah, what he's are you the, talking about? he's he's the dad. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sandra Bullock's fucking husband. Yeah, that's he got Tim a McGraw. super white collar for that. I, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Sandra Bullock was hot too, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, 1999, after breaking up in 1983, the Who reform when Roger Daltrey announces that they will play a concert in Las Vegas. I forgot they broke up. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, at this point in time, there's no Keith Moon. Um, yeah. But this the thing about the Who is, I always go back to them, to Led Zeppelin, or like the Who and being... Obviously, when Keith Moon was involved in the early days and stuff and before he died, mm. like complete rock and roll bands, like every yeah. single member was just a, like a maestro at their instrument. Exactly. Like absolutely perfect for their instrument. Dude, you know, I feel like that's what a problem is with music today is that there's not artists like that anymore. Yeah. Like think about Cream, for instance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every guy were like on their shit. Ginger Led Baker, Zeppelin. Yeah. Fucking Clapton. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. There's no, there's no bands like that anymore. I there's. Know. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure we talked about this at one point or another. There is no, like, guitar hero, quote-unquote, anymore. Like, there isn't any. The only band, and I hate to bring them up, and it kind of sucks because Maynard is just the way he is, but Tool's one of those bands where every single one of those guys could just do an instrumental act. Exactly. Probably be okay, you know, and sound great. I saw something fucked up the other day. They were saying, like, Billie Eilish could be the next guitar hero because she has a signature well, dude, ukulele through Fender. I saw it, too, man. Uh, dude, it's, I read it. funny? I they like, actually showed price points for that ukulele specific of how much them. it costs compared to the Billie Eilish version, which is exactly the same, obviously, with her outer trademark. And it's, like, an extra $200 just to buy her version. For a fucking ukulele. That's just marketing, dude. That's bullshit. And I don't like to hate on artists that I'm not a fan of because I'm totally subjective to say, okay, you like it, you like it. That is what it is. But then there yeah. comes a point in time where you just like, what are you listening to music for? Do you actually appreciate the art or are you just like, it gets stuck in your head? Well, dude, I've I've watched videos of her actually singing like for real. Yeah. She's an incredible singer. Of course. Like, but it's just that Billie Eilish persona but that that's, kind of fucks everything up. It takes more on an identity of beyond the music and exactly. using this as like a personality now. Like you yep. know what I mean? It's very weird. It's just it's fucked up. Like I uh, obviously we weren't alive during those times, but you kind of like miss the days of the Jimmy Page, the Eric Clapton, yeah. the Slash, even of course the Randy Rhodes, the Eddie Van Halen. Half the dudes were ugly as hell and like yeah. nobody cared about that. Now, how many artists do you see out there that are like not attractive that are super successful? None. That's what I'm saying. It's very <laughs> rare you find a guy or a girl like that. Yeah, exactly. That actually, that brings up a good point. Yeah. Because I, I can't think of any. Yeah. Maybe like the dudes from Mumford and Sons. They're not even like that big anymore. No. They and they're totally really not that the, bad looking either. And they totally fell. Ed yeah. Sheeran, maybe. He's unfortunate looking. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's the truth. That's so funny because, yeah, he's, he's the one. He's unfortunate looking. Poor guy. He's unfortunate looking. I wasn't ready for that. All right, go ahead, go ahead. 2006, Jeffrey Borer, owner of the company that sold Michael Jackson his private Gulfstream jet, is sentenced to six months in prison for ordering employee Averill Jet Reeves to install two video cameras in it in order to catch Jackson saying something for which he could be blackmailed. Yep. Michael Jackson ain't that fucking dumb. Nope. Um, Wasn't that dumb. And even so, dude, that's just like beyond petty at that point. I mean, unless this guy had like a personal vendetta or something like Who's that. Who's just trying to get fucking rich quick, Of course, dude. yeah, that's just, that's lame. Like, I mean, could you imagine having some dirt on fucking Michael Jackson? Of course, and regardless of the speculation at the time, especially in 06 when things were really coming to a head with everything and, mm-hmm. you know, this everything that he was being accused of at the time. Um, Yeah, that's petty as hell. That's just like... Like, this would be the equivalent to you having like a confession of O.J. Simpson saying he killed his wife. I know, but also being a high-end seller of boats and mansions or something. Like, yo, I'll sell you this house, and the whole reason I'm doing this is because I laced it with security Listen, Juice. Yeah. (laughs) I was a huge Bills fan, but things have changed, sir. Can't be doing this type of stuff. Fucking Chappelle did like the funniest like bit about OJ Simpson. I saw did you it. See it when he was first met him. Yeah, he's, yeah. I saw the and new then he stand says up. to his publicist or whatever. He's like, that murderer ran for like a thousand, like eleven hundred yards. Yeah, I know. Yeah. With all due respect, that murderer ran for yeah. eleven. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> 1, his yards. new stand up. Yeah, it's dude, I saw this. So fucking yeah. funny. It was like the three times that he came in contact with OJ yeah. or something, and throughout <laughs> the whole bit, he talked about each time he met OJ. Yeah. It was hilarious. I guess that's something you never really forget. No. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> All 
2007, a federal jury finds Minnesota woman guilty of online music file sharing through the public service Kazaa, uh, finding her $220,000. Um, I never used Kazaa. Yeah, I remember Kazaa. It's weird because, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, 2007, LimeWire was dying at this point. Everybody was on porn probably, sites. Yeah. I was... I was Line was definitely dying. Gone. It was allegedly downloading torrents in 2007. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. like 36,000 songs on my 160-gig <laughs> iPod. I know nothing about with, with what you're talking about, which what you're talking about. Yeah, this was all alleged circumstances <laughs> over 10 years ago. Pretty sure there's some statute of limitation to that. Yeah, exactly. This I isn't mean, like a dead body. No. <laughs> How many of these bands allegedly still have careers? All of them. <laughs> well, most of them, I should say. Yeah, I mean, 80% of them are dead, actually, now that I think about it. Or not together at all. They've gotten everything they could have. Yeah, they still have careers from <laughs> sales and stuff. It is kind of funny, though. They got her for two hundred and twenty grand. Yeah. Like, I wonder what she was downloading. It definitely wasn't Metallica, because she would have been fine a whole lot more. Yeah, she would be paying until she died. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know... Uh, I guarantee you, Lars would still be writing her letters like you didn't pay this month. Yeah, exactly. Like five hundred dollar check for the next sixty hey, years. Hey, uh, we're missing your uh, payment for this month. Yeah, he's like going over the checkbook <laughs> and the finances for Metallica Inc. or something like that. Like, uh, that woman from Minnesota didn't pay her two twenty a month fine. <laughs> like she, like there's some municipal court gonna come lock her up. That's that's it. I can totally see Lars doing that. That's what the worst part about one hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> I I think it's fucked up, dude. I mean. Knowing knowing what we know now about the way like way YouTube is, is and stuff, I yeah, know. exactly. Like that, like this is a joke. That is like the same irony as when I see like there's no panhandling signs and you're gonna be fined five hundred dollars. How the fuck are you gonna find a dude five hundred dollars who's out there trying to get money? Exactly, like, it's just so contradictory to the point. And I mean, oh seven, they couldn't really prepare for what was about to happen. Well, this is like the year before YouTube. Yeah, pretty much. Well, Facebook had just dropped, so yeah. music sharing was still just getting a hold beyond like Pirate Bay and you know, obviously LimeWire is like. Well, dead. this is also back in the time where you could put music on your MySpace page. Exactly. So all you had to do YouTube was just have was, an internet capable phone. Yep. That's I I hope they give her a retrial and kind of knock yeah. that shit down because that's not fair. Well, it says here she was found guilty. One can say it could be a guilty pleasure. I wonder if she downloaded Hawthorne Heights. Interesting. Considering. Yeah, considering guilty pleasures like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Or at least I thought about earlier. Did you hear that? Yeah, I remember that. Okay. This topic this week. uh, Stuff, you know. Basically, I think we're kind of open books with a lot of things. Basically, this is what the precedence of like how I could dissolve this topic, I guess. There was a point in time in everybody's lives where they get in. And if you're a big music buff, that's how I have to really portray it. Yeah. Because I don't know what it was like for people that were just like, like I was really into music. My friends were really into music, you know? Yep. 
But there's always a generational thing where certain music comes on and becomes the popular thing. And it's not in your forte. It's not in like your grouping. It's not in all that. And, you know, when you're younger, it's a lot harder for you to admit things that you like in front of people for the fear of like judgment, things like that. So essentially the term guilty pleasure develops. Yeah. Nowadays, I really don't care. I mean, obviously, if someone's in my car that's, like, not a fan of certain shit, I'll try to find something to listen to that we might both like. Yeah. Or I'll be a dick and just listen to something I like personally, <laughs> and you just kind of have to, like, wow, that's cool, or, dude, what is this? And I have to explain. Well, speaking of, you know, like, trying to keep it, you know, under wraps, like, Connor still doesn't know that I'm a giant fan of Pete Townsend's solo career. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We're keeping that from him. And it's funny because, again, they're, that's the thing about it. There's a lot of bands out there that nowadays I'll just be like, I fucking like this and I have to deal with the heat. You know what I mean? Um, But then other times, like I said, when I was younger and I'll start Tool, huge fan of Tool. It's obvious on this show. I mean, it's obvious with everybody I talk to. Wait, you like Tool? I know, right? Get the fuck out of here. So weird. But there was a time, dude, all my friends hated Tool. From the ages, I want to say of like 12 to about 19. I, my whole group of friends, except for one other person, hated Tool. It's fucked up. And I used to fucking listen to it at home, and like this one <laughs> individual would be there, and he was older. Like I was like hanging out with older dudes. I was like going to parties and doing shit. So like that was like yeah. my luxury of being able to be around guys like this. But he was cool as shit. So he would have Tool on, and I would like catch myself, like, you know, getting into it, trying to like mouth the lyrics. And I'd be like, and I just someone tell me, like, you're you like this shit. You like this shit too? And I'm like, no. It's just, it's just catchy, you know? Then, like you, it, then you found out it was all just a test anyway to weed them out. I know, dude. Like I did in the SpongeBob movie with the Goofy <laughs> Goober song. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, Tool was like that first band that I really, really enjoyed. That yeah. today, now obvious, it's easier to say, like, you know, because everybody I talk to basically likes them or. Well, because now we're adults. Yeah. And that was the thing. Like, I think that's really the transition process is I do get to an age where I can say, bro, like, I fucked with that one Taylor Swift song. It wasn't that bad. And then I'll yeah. go listen to Chapel of Ghouls by Morbid Angel. Like, there is no real demographic anymore in the sense of, like, you think I listen to this, but I really listen to a lot of other shit. Yeah. Well,. I think one of the big ones for me, I mean, obviously I don't give a fuck anymore because I say it on the show all the time, but definitely like in like the group of friends that we had in, in high school and stuff. And, you know, I was part of like the, you know, like the hardcore kid scene and all that other shit. Scene kids. Yeah, but I didn't have the teased hair and you the were fucking right snake there, bites. Dude. Yeah. You, I, were, you were the lamb of God of those group of friends because I could <laughs> hang out with you, but. <laughs> I think like, I did have a lamb of God. I was like, Bill, you too. can come, but. Yeah, keep, leave yeah. everyone else. <laughs> but one of the big things I always like held down and I didn't let anyone know I was a fan of was like all the boy band shit. Yep. Like, dude, I mean, even even to today, you can't deny how good a vocalist Backstreet Boys in sync are, 90 degrees, like all that shit, dude. When I listen to music, it's not just for the simple fact of listening to music. I look for the musicianship and the sheer talent. Yeah. And these artists just have them. And to say that you don't like the Backstreet Boys or boy bands in general and, you know, they suck or whatever, you have to, first off, you'd have to be like, oh, well, boys to men suck. And no one in their right mind would ever say that shit. Doesn't matter how much of a hard ass you are or how, you know, how, how little or big of a music fan you are. You can't deny these artists. 
And for the longest time, like I had to keep that shit under wraps because I was like, well, I can't let everyone know, you know, I'm sitting here listening to, I don't know, Tomb of the Mutilated and I'm actually secretly listening to NSYNC on my ride home. Yeah. Well, the thing about that is too, like you said, you'll listen to like sincere talent and stuff like that. A lot of my guilty pleasures come kind of from like the opposite of if it sounds good, if it sticks in my head and it has a beat and it keeps me like involved. I'll fucking listen to it. Because the big thing about us growing up was that 2000s emo scene. Like, that was literally the mass wave of music that you see for, like, mumble rap today, like the Billie Eilish, like, crowd, and everything that you see happening with this spread of, like, newer music that's kind of taking a hold on the culture. And that 2000s emo scene, I was, like, really just getting into music at that point. And at that point, like, I was, like, just heard death for the first time. Like, wasn't really into death metal. Yeah. You know, Cannibal Corpse was, like, too overbearing at the point in time. Because when you're going from, like, listening to my dad's Led Zeppelin two album to, <laughs> you know, Skull Full of Maggots, it was, like, a real hard transition for a period. Exactly. But it does grow on you. But at that time as well, like... Dude, Ohio for Lovers comes out and like the lyrics are super like dark and depressing. And like to be that type of person, you were like, like nowadays with people with like, you know, how they're bipolar and like really want to express their mental illness, like you would get beat up for shit like that back then. Like that was like something you got made fun of for. So to like the emo music was almost like just as rebellious as listening to like punk rock in the 80s for a period of time. Yep. And then it got big. Then it got huge. And then that's where it sucked because like now it's like there's already this culture. There's already this scene. And for the longest time, like it was hard to listen to the used. It was hard to listen to Hawthorne Heights. You know, it was hard to listen to like taking back Sunday and brand new. And you know, what's kind of funny is I like I, you can put all of them into one label and they're not even like emo bands. The one thing they all have in common is they were all on victory records. Pretty much. Yeah. Like victory records. They were well ahead of their time with that shit. Yeah. Like they literally had like the epicenter for these emo hard post hardcore bands. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Now they're like, they got subdivided and now they're owned by like universal and shit. And well. like victory records is gone. But I definitely understand what you're saying with all those victory bands. I mean, because even to this day, I'm still listening to fucking If Only You Were Lonely. Bro, and Deja and Tendu by Brand New is an awesome album. Yeah. You know? But Dude. here's the, the biggest thing is, though, is because I'll talk to, like, purist people where they, they like specifically, like, Jimmy Page and, like, Jimmy Hendrix and, like, real classical talented musicians. But to listen to those albums, like, I'm not listening to them for the same reason. Yeah, like I still appreciate my level of art. And that's where it's like I talk back to like the Billie Eilish crowd. Like if you're listening to it and you enjoy it, more power to you. Exactly. But how do you develop beyond that? You know, you're using that as the example of what music is. I'll never go out there and sit there and put, you know, someone like a Billie Eilish or even like I'm talking about with Taking Back Sunday and stuff and put them on a pedestal of like, oh, they're right next to Led Zeppelin. Exactly. Just because they're my fan base. That's what I like. So basically, it's just to say that you know, I'll, I'll enjoy a certain type of music, you know, what people might not deem popular or even too popular, you know, like totally like mainstream radio friendly, just yeah. music. But at the same time, like for me to say that I like that, like sometimes people use that to take away from you. Like, oh, you don't know good music. Like that's not even what it's exactly. about, dude. It's just, it's catchy. You know, it's funny, too, because, you know, even to this day, I still listen to those bands. I still listen to Hawthorne Heights. I still listen to Taking Back Sunday. Oh, yeah. 
I still listen to a Treyu. Dude, that was another big one. Like, it was fucking super uncool to like a Treyu. Oh, yeah. It still kind of is to an extent. That's almost like if you're a punk fan to listen to, like, Rise Against was, like, almost. Yeah. And, you know, even to, like, uh, even to, like, even a higher extent, like, it's almost, like, uncool to be, like, I'm a Misfits fan. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's, like, the cliche band. Yeah. Like, even to be, like, like, even, for instance, like, oh, I like Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, then they immediately deem you as like that's all you know about exactly. Oh, I listen to Misfits. I'm a punk fan, but it's like, oh, yeah. what else do you listen to? The Clash and the Sex Pistols? Like, fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> but there's a lot more beyond that. I'm not gonna sit there and say, oh, these bands are bad because they're at the forefront of the genre. Exactly. Like, that's just stupid. Another thing too, another big one for me, and also because since we're on this show and it's a public platform and everyone's listened to it. And they probably had their own conversation about it. Is something we talked about earlier. Country, mm-hmm. dude. Let me put out a disclaimer real quick. When I mean country, I mean anything before like two thousand. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think me and Nicole were talking about it, like the definitive line to where like country became like unlistenable. Yeah. Was like at the point where Tim McGraw did that song with Nelly. Oh yeah. What it was, was like the name from that song? over and over again. Yeah. It was like there's like you know like. B N and A N like before Nelly, after Nelly, yeah. and like after Nelly, it just became like unlistenable to the That's garbage like AD it is and now. BC type yeah. atmosphere for uh, the coming of country. Exactly, <laughs> and you know, like there, there's no denying it. It it definitely shaped like you know my musical taste and you know like my influences, and you know it's like even to this day, it's still like not. It's looked down upon. Oh, yeah. It's well, like, it's even interesting. Well, you listen to country. That's literally like the nickelback of genres where people exactly. are like, I'll listen to everything but country. Like, that's literally the. I can't stand when people say shit. But that's, like that. and that's what pisses me off because you know that's not true because 80% of those people basically will sit there and say that, but really won't listen to a lot of other things. But they use country as the standard to say, this is the one specific genre that is absolute trash and that's unlistenable. Yeah, exactly. And I don't feel like it's it's definitely not fair, especially for people that actually legitimately listen to the genre of music or in my case that find the genre now to be total trash that doesn't discredit anything back even before like the shit that I listened to. Like what about Johnny Cash? You know, what about fucking Waylon Jennings yeah. and shit like that? Like, are you telling me they're fucking trash too? Because, you know, not for nothing, Johnny Cash is probably a little bit more fucking influential than, uh, you know, Billie Eilish. Well, it's funny too, because a lot of people will use that as the, I mean, I don't listen to country, but I like Johnny Cash. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. that's usually the one artist that people will kind of be able to say that, yeah, I listen to him, but yep. I won't consider myself a country fan. And they will still hate country music. Exactly. Me particularly. I'll never say that I don't like country. Like, I'll say that, but not really mean it in a sense that just I haven't listened to enough to even make that judgment call. Exactly. You know? Because I guarantee you, most people never really listen to Beyond of what you said that after 2000s, exactly. Tim Nelly era of like real pop- popular XTU country type stuff, you yep. know? Yeah. Um, other than the country and the boy band shit and like the post hardcore shit. I really can't think of anything else that I listened to or, you know, did listen to that I didn't really want anyone to figure out. Maybe the fact that I enjoy Sammy Hagar era Van Halen. That was a big yeah, one. Yeah, that's a big one. That was a big one. 
I kept that a secret for a my little while. My big thing was uh, for a long time, uh, just because obviously the group of friends I had, huge Lil Wayne fan, early <laughs> Lil Wayne fan. Um, I liked a lot of Drake stuff early on. Oh, yeah. You know, there's even still a couple songs to this day. Um, and then obviously it depends, like I said, on the group of friends you hang out with and like what's deemed popular and what's deemed cool, I guess exactly. you could say, with those groups of friends, where you're almost straight pigeonholed into what you can and can't listen to based on that type of thing. Now, yeah. granted, I don't know how, like I said, this is just all based on my perception of the friends that I grew up with. But if I was sitting in a room with my friends and we were fucking getting drunk and, you know, blowing lines and stuff, it wasn't me being able to put on like, you know, I'm a boss by Meek Mill. Like that wasn't going to happen as opposed to somebody putting on like Kill em All by Metallica. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like I, this people would probably listen to a lot of it, but it wouldn't become like the forefront of popularity. You know, which was tough because, like you said, with the whole boy band scene, the emo scene, like the pop punk scene, um, even just liking the mainstream acts of underground genres, I guess you could say, it makes it difficult for people to not feel like by saying they like this without having to totally be discredited for their taste in music. That's where the issue comes in. Yeah, exactly. And I feel, well, it's like I've always said, like, you know, like... Music is all about interpretation and how you interpret it. And who are you to say, like, you know, uh, a fucking, I don't know, Picasso painting sucks. Yeah. Like, it's just not, like, in my eyes, it's not, like, technically fair yeah. to say some shit like that. I mean, unless it's, like, total trash. Yeah. But then again, who am I to decide? That's what I'm saying. What I, is and what is not total trash? I think the only time it really becomes the issue is... When people try to use artists and genres to say that it's better than other genres and artists. Because, of course, like, I could sit there and tell you till you're blue in the face that Led Zeppelin 2 is better than anything Billie Eilish has ever done. You know, anything that Lil Wayne or any of these multi-million sellers, like, have ever done. But, again, that's all perception-based. Yeah. You know, like, I'll listen to a lot of stuff that people would deem unpopular based on, like, my group or deemed so popular to the point like, yeah, of course you listen to that crap. Or, you know, like you said, like the butt rock scene, for instance. Oh, yeah, that was another I mean, one. that's a big thing. But again, when it's just used as an opportunity for someone that's listening to it and the first reaction you have is like, oh, your, your music taste sucks. Yeah. But it's like, you don't know what that person listens to beyond that. Exactly. You know? So, I mean, I'll give the credit, but we know a few people where that's literally it. That's as deep as they go. I mean, we're talking law-abiding citizen style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, that's the thing. Like, I'll accept that if there's more depth. Like, if there really is something beyond that. But if you're literally only scratching the surface and hailing that as, like... Because then some people won't even have the mentality, like, wanting to know more, wanting to listen exactly. more. Like, that's what they're sold on to be like, no, you don't get it. Like, if I'm showing somebody the 1978 classic by John Carpenter, I'm like, bro, this is all right. This is okay, but you got to watch this. And they hand me 2012 with John Cusack. I'm like, <laughs> come on, dude. Like you said, like those Michael Bay effects. It's just, that's the same thing with music where if yep. I'm sitting there trying to get somebody into, you know, like Morbid Angel or like I had the issue with several kids in school. I try to get them into like Sepultura or like Ride the Lightning even in their first reaction. is like, oh, this came out in 1986. I'm not listening to this. Yeah. Like that's what you're basing it off of? And like, yeah, I listen to An Ocean Between Us by As I Lay Dying. Like that's good metal. Like 
It's but then yeah. that's the thing. Like I enjoy that album, but I'm not holding it up to such a regard. Exactly, to you're say not putting it, it on a pedestal. Exactly, like people would defend by bashing. It was like Metallica sucks, but listen to As I Lay Dying. It's like. How, yeah, and they're gonna sit there and fucking you know praise like job for a cowboy and shit. Yeah, but they're not gonna fucking you know like go off of like scum. Yeah, like let's be real. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, no. Yeah, anybody that's listening to like what they consider grindcore, I guarantee you has never listened to any Napalm Death. Nope. And it's it's that's what I'm saying. Like I bet that one fucking surprised you a little bit. That, that did. Yeah, <laughs> I was very impressed with that. Uh, considering they have like a two second song on there, that's that's the like, the epitome of the album. Like to say like that's how you know yeah. <laughs> extreme an album can be. To say like yo, I love this album. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> you suffer. Um, but yeah, dude. I mean, there's so many albums out there, and I think people also too. When I talk about certain bands, I listen to and. Dude, like half the stuff you throw at me, I might not enjoy it, but I listen to it. Exactly, and you have to give one, it a shot, and I'll find one or two that like I dig it, and then you know I could, sh- I, I know I won't show it to certain people because I know there are certain people that won't break out of that. They go into it with the same idea, like I'm not gonna like this, so therefore, regardless of what I hear, yeah, I'm gonna tell you I didn't like it. Yeah, at that point, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, you're just yeah. pissing in the wind, and, and you kind of hate fucking people like that. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that kind of like concludes this. Unless you got anything else, any other bands? Not at the moment. <clears throat> I mean, I just kind of went broadly with genres because I mean, there's just so many bands that like name categorically and yeah, that's especially true. the two thousand scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so many goddamn bands. So, do you have a guilty pleasure band or genre or era of music that uh, you know? You kind of hope that you weren't the only one that liked it and we didn't bring it up. Do you enjoy boy bands in the comfort of your own home? Curl up on your couch with the lights dimmed down low with the hot oil next to you. Get at us on our social medias. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at RATM Podcast. Our email at RATMPodcast at gmail.com. And our website retmpodcast.wixsite.com slash podcast. But that concludes the topic for this week. Let's get into our personal suggestions. This is actually going to be kind of quick because we don't have uh, we don't have our third member here. Yeah. But um, my suggestion for this week is to check out the debut album from Damn Yankees titled Damn Yankees. Uh, the song is high enough. If you... If you're unfamiliar with the name of the band or even the name of the song, I guarantee you when you hear the song, you're going to go, okay, I know this song. I've heard this a million times and you're going to be completely unaware of who these people are. It's the best parts of the bands that these guys have come from. Sticks, yeah, Night Ranger, yeah. and the Nuge. I mean, I know there's people that can take him or leave him, but at the end of the day, it's undeniable. Yeah. What he has done for music and who he is in the music community and just his fucking sheer ability as a guitar player. Because honestly, I feel like Ted Nugent is like, um, he's overlooked. Yeah. Like he really is. And I want to be clear too, when we talk about like any artist on this show, we're talking about like, I just like hope, I, I hate the need to defend why I listen to an artist because the first thing people will be like, oh, you like him and talk about him personally and you know, politics yeah. and stuff. It's really just about music. Yeah, like, we don't care about Ted's Yeah, policies. I just, I listen to music. The music is really what, that's what this is about. I let, 
I like I could live my life without ever hearing Ted Nugent's voice. Yeah. Just I, knowing what his guitar sounds yeah. like and be totally. Content. And even if you fuck with Ted Nugent in that level, that's on your prerogative. But yeah, we're not going to we're not going to say nothing bad about it. Yeah. But like I said, uh, high enough by damn Yankees. It has the best parts of all the bands. Um, just because we're releasing this first episode in October, my thing was I'm going to probably release a horror themed band or song. <laughs> every week, you know, obviously through to Halloween. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to start because we talk about an earlier episode about bands that didn't get a lot of recognition because there were already bands at the forefront. Um, the band is Blitzkid, horror punk. I mean, it's it's essentially Michael Graves, Danzig, era Misfits, kind of convoluted, you know, very quintessential, you know, horror punk, upbeat, oh, sing-along yeah. type. The album I'm recommending is their first album. It's called Terrifying Tales, released in 2000. The highlighted track is their third one. It's called Pretty in a Casket. Nice. Yeah. Good shit. Our group suggestion for this week is to check out the 2019 documentary, Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, Excellent. directed by Stanley Nelson. Excellent. Um, it's basically, you know, uh, like a, uh, not a biopic, but a documentary style film. Uh, you know, giving you the true story of the jazz legend with never before seen footage and celebrity interviews. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, so hopefully it's not like a devil at the crossroads type thing. Remember how I awesome really that was? hope not, dude. <laughs> I really because like Miles Davis, you talk about artists that, you know, scratching the service. I mean, yeah, I listen to Hawthorne Heights, but I also listen to Kind of Blue, you know. <laughs> And bitches by Davis. <laughs> but yeah, if that's like that was the that was so bad. Dude. Yeah. If anyone listened from season one on, we we uh we apologize that movie. for recommending for you guys to watch that. Yeah. We usually go into these things blind. We don't even go by reviews. Yeah, ninety percent of the stuff we recommend to you we haven't seen yet either. Exactly. Yeah. But I would say ninety percent, but a good portion. <laughs> yeah. That'd be kind of crazy because we were making a lot. Gems, yeah, <laughs> almost famous. Yeah, never seen that one. <laughs> but on that note, that wraps it up for this week. This has been Rage Against the Mainstream podcast. Like I said before, if you like, you can reach us on our social medias: facebook.com slash ratm podcast, Instagram and Twitter at ratm podcast, and as always, our website is open: ratm podcast slash ratm podcast. But This is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off for the evening. As always, I'm Bill. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.